because like I said, we had solved this pain point for customers of getting endless motion detection, right? We'd solved it with this partner and we'd done it at a super low cost. And so we didn't even charge our customers for the feature. But then this company gets scooped up by Apple and we have no ability to provide this service on our own. So we've got to go hire these like really brilliant but expensive AI engineers and build this in-house very quickly to not only provide it for customers to solve this pain point, but also to build a recurring revenue stream for us so that we can get the next cash infusion into the company. Budget overruns, brick devices, data breaches, building connected products is hard. Welcome to Over the Air, sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. I'm your host, Ryan Prosser. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT connected devices and the journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Very. And today we're joined by Dave Crosby, co-founder and CMO of WISE. And we're going to be talking about taking on Goliath when you are David. So if you're a small IoT company trying to make it big, today is for you. Dave, thanks for being on the show. Ryan, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, we have a lot of different people on the show, but you guys are different in two ways. Number one, we generally uh, have commercial and industrial IoT companies. We don't do a lot of consumer, but we love to do consumer IoT in the run-up to the holidays. So we're excited to talk about WISE today. And number two, um, we don't often have IoT companies that are like legitimate household names that everybody might know. I think our a lot of our audience probably does know WISE, but for the two or three that don't, give us a little background. What are you guys up to? What's WISE all about? Yeah, I uh, appreciate you having us on, giving us a, a little bit of an opportunity to talk about Wise. Uh, Wise is a, a smart home camera company. Uh, I'd say a smart home company. We, we started with cameras about five years ago in 2017. We started the company. Uh, we launched the Wise Cam, uh, which was a 1080p camera that we sold for $20. And uh, from there, we've just branched out in further and further into the smart home. You know, we have over 40 IoT products now, um, filling out pretty much every part of the smart home from locks to bulbs to thermostats and a couple other kind of cool connected devices as well. So um, we're all about just finding really great technology, bringing it to our users at, uh, we like to say, too good to be true prices, prices that like you, you can't believe when you see it. So that's that's our whole our whole mission. So one of the things that I love about WISE is you guys talk about and, and seem to kind of obsess over this idea of... Um, I don't know how to say it. The the like our customer is our friend. You know, we want to we want to build products like we were building them for friends. We want to price it like we're pricing it for friends. And I promised the audience a little bit of a David and Goliath uh, backstory. You know, before we get into that mantra, like take us back seven years. You know, you're you're ex Amazon. You know, now you guys have have started this company that people are are nuts for. People love Wise. How did we get to this point? Like, how, how did you guys come from nowhere to become one of these huge IoT smart home brands? Yeah, so I, I think the starting point for Wise was probably back at Amazon. Um, I was living in Seattle along with my other two co-founders, and we were working at Amazon at, in different uh, positions within the company. Amazon, personally, I was running a position in the uh, musical instruments category. So if you were buying guitars off Amazon or uh, keyboard, sound and recording equipment. I was the guy that was managing a lot of that business. You know, I, I've been a musician my whole entire life. So this was kind of a dream job for me to be in these position, positions sitting across the table from brands that I loved, like, you know, Taylor guitars, Fender, Gibson guitars, like these, I, I've been a guitar player my whole life. And so this was like such a cool experience for me. 
And uh, for me, like where my mindset started changing, I think I've always kind of had like an entrepreneurial bug in me. But um, when it really kind of hit me is when I was at Amazon and I was sitting across the table from, again, some of these brands that I loved. And they were getting beat really bad, like kind of out of nowhere. You know, the Gibson guitars, the Fender guitars, they were coming to me and saying like, hey, our Amazon business isn't what it used to be. Uh, what's what's going on in the platform? We're not getting the traffic. We're not getting the sales that we were seeing, you know, a year or two ago. And so my project became exploring what was happening with with these big brands. And as a result of what came out of that project is I found that there were all these little companies that were coming out of nowhere that were just crushing it on Amazon. And uh, what they were is they were getting really good reviews, like five-star reviews on their product and their their price was extremely low. A lot of them had like really stupid names, like like best guitars for you, like stuff that like it was not thought out very well. And it just was an epiphany for me because it was like, man, Amazon has somewhat leveled the playing field here. Like you can compete against these humongous brands as a nobody. But if you just beat these big brands on price and reviews. So as long as you go out there with a great product, you're getting five-star reviews um, and you have a price that's unbeatable. Like you can take on any company, you can take on anyone. And that was, that was what hit me at that time. And so immediately from that, from that project on, I was thinking, what business can I start that I can disrupt, um, another company and just follow that philosophy, really good prices and really good reviews. That was my whole goal from that point on. I joined forces with two co-founders eventually. Um, again, they were also working at Amazon. They were working in the books and the lawn and garden sections, and we started brain started brainstorming like what can we, what business can we start? Can we get into that will kind of follow this model? And uh, ultimately, we decided to go to consumer drones. So our first our first venture, the reason I left Amazon was we were going to go start a drone company. I've always been into music and media, so um, it was really exciting to, to start kind of a drone company. We were going to compete against DJI, and uh, so we ran a company called Auto Robotics. Have you ever heard of Auto Robotics? I have not. No, Ryan, no, never heard. It's still around today, but it was a drone company that was making what we what we considered as good of drones as DJI at that time. But we were we were a fraction of the price. It was called. It was following this this model of like really low prices, really good reviews. And so we ran that company for about a year. Ultimately, we didn't feel like drones was the scale that we wanted, right? Because we were dealing with like like five ten thousand customers at a time. Like it's just this. It's very kind of a niche product that was never going to scale um, to be kind of a, a, a huge company or something that was really meaningful. And that, uh, in addition to like some disagreements we had with, with some of the um, factories that we were working back then, uh, we just decided it was kind of time to, to leave the drone industry. And that's when we started looking around for a new, like what's the next kind of business that needs to be disrupted? Like we, and, and, you know, trying to follow this model, like just obsessing over the customer experience, really good reviews, really low price, like where's an industry that needs to be disrupted. And as we looked around and we, we actually studied tons of products and what stuck out to us more than anything at that time was smart home cameras. Like at that time, your options for a smart home camera, you could get like a ring cam for, for 200 bucks. You could get a nest cam for 200 bucks, uh, which is so expensive that it was, it's almost like you, you only have you can't use them for that, that much, right? Like you might buy a, a camera and put it on your front door for security. But if you're paying 200 bucks a camera, that's about all most people are willing to do. But um, we thought like, man, if we could lower the price of these cameras 
and bring them down to something affordable. Like people could, could we could open up the use cases for these cameras. Like instead of just using it for security, you can use it to watch your goldfish or your your dog or whatever. Like you can use it for all these unique scenarios that you would never use a two hundred dollar camera for. That became kind of our our mission. Is like how do we disrupt the smart home camera space? So that was going to be my next question was how you guys landed on cameras. And it feels like, you know, you you felt like, all right, if we we don't need a brand, if we've got a really rabid audience and a great price point, $20, you know, I think nailed the price point. I mean, I, I think at that time, the prevailing price point was like 10x that or something. What were some of the like, Start to introduce for us now this idea of like customer obsession. You guys think about it differently. I've not heard other people say it like Dave says it. You, I don't know if this is a wise thing or a Dave thing, but you know I've heard you use terms like pricing it like we were selling to our friends, building a product like we were selling a product to our friends. Can you talk about that philosophy and and like to what extent is that a Dave as co-founder versus you know is that pervasive throughout Wise? Yeah, so the biggest question we had, we kind of chose smart home or smart home cameras that we wanted to disrupt this industry. And we found a manufacturer um, that could provide us a camera for, and I'll just say it was, it was about 17, 18 bucks. That's the price. And, and we were so like, we're, this was an amazing price. Uh, we felt like we could take this camera. We hired a bunch of engineers. We built really good software for it. So we were kind of overcompensating on low cost hardware with really great software. And then the question for us became like, okay, what do we charge customers for this? Um, and we started going down the road of like consulting and, and getting a bunch of different kind of opinions and um, talking. I was calling friends from business school, like, what do you think we should we should uh, charge for this camera? And everyone was like, yeah, you could be really, really disruptive if you charge like $50 for this camera, like 40, 40 if you want to get really aggressive, 40, $50 cameras for 40 or $50 for this camera. And so that's kind of what we were rolling with for a little bit. You know, you're trying to take into account, like, we'll probably need to do some marketing um, we'll need to rent an office space. We'll want to hire more engineers and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're thinking 40 or $50. And, and there was this one moment where we're just kind of in, in a conference room with my two co-founders and we're like, what if, what if we just went crazy, man? What, what if we just like totally built this business on this principle of like being friends with customers? So you imagine like your, your best friend from high school walks in the room and you're like, hey, you want to check out this camera. It's really cool. It has all these features. You want to try it. Like what, what is the price that you would charge that friend for that camera? Like you might try to give them that camera for free. And assuming that they're they're like a good friend back, they're gonna, they're not going to want you want you to be out of a, out of money, right? So they're going to say, oh no, at least take this. And so we're kind of like that, that that kind of fair exchange that you would do with a friend. Like, how, what would you charge? And ultimately, we decided to sell the camera for nineteen ninety nine, twenty bucks, which was extremely scary for us because we no longer had any margin for marketing. Uh, we had no margin for like an office space. Uh, hiring was going to be really tight. There was just so many risks with that decision, but we felt like, and it, honestly, this was kind of a lot of the Amazon built in us too, right? Is like, if you treat customers right, like if you give them everything, like they they will cover a lot of the gaps. Like our, our belief was if we give these customers everything, um, they can do marketing for us. They can, they can help us build this business. And we can kind of do this as like this joint effort with customers. Of course, the biggest fear that we had though was like, if, if we only charge $20, will people think this is worth any more than that. Like, will they see this as a, as a good camera or will they see it as like a toy or a piece of junk? Right. And so that was the, that was the big risk. And ultimately we just, we went with it. We, we, we established the business on being, being friends with customers. That's always been our foundational principle. It still is today. And, uh, we launched the product at 20 bucks. 
So the twenty dollar price point, you know, I want to I want to pull out of you a story that I've heard before um, that I I loved. You so talk about your first production run. The, I think the big gulf between companies that make it and companies that don't make it is what happens on that first production run. So and 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 then of course a lot of entrepreneurs never actually you know, take that leap. They have a great idea. They even have a prototype and they just like, oh, I don't have, like, this is, I can't do it. I can't drain my savings to do this first production run. You guys had an idea. You had a thesis, you know, the thesis being, hey, listen, we're going to nail the price point. We're going to build a rabid uh, user base. We're going to, we'll talk about that more in a minute, how you guys cultivated that. But you wanted to initially do a relatively modest size run. Of course, these factories were saying, listen, we've got minimums. Can you talk a little bit about like what that looked like and and you know because this was sort of a leap moment. Yeah, so we we were absolutely absolutely nobody's like from from a business standpoint like we had we had uh, a couple employees and we we began we tried to raise some money so we ended up raising a million dollars in seed money so that was what we had to start with um, you know that was that was exciting but so we had some capital to go out and do this but um, that was very little capital for for ten people a number of them are engineers who are very expensive. Um, so we had maybe a year, year and a half to figure out and see if we can make this work. And so we went to this factory that we were going to get the cameras from and we're like, Hey, we'll, we'll we want to try this. We're going to experiment. We're going to kind of dip our toes and see if this is, um, see if we can find signals that this is a good, you know, this is a good business. And so we said, we'll, we'll order 10,000 units. And they kind of, they kind of laughed and said, listen, honestly, like this is a factory that's established. They're doing a ton of business with, um, you know, with other big companies, and they're like, if you want to be serious, like if you, we, we can't do anything less than 100,000. 100,000 units is the most. 100,000 units is our minimum order quantity. If you want to do less than that, kind of forget about it, right? Um, so we had to think long and hard if we were going to spend that much money, you know, $1.7, $1.8 million, whatever it ended up being, um, to buy 100,000 cameras. It was more money than we had. And so we had to negotiate like, well, can you give us generous payment terms? Um how can we figure out a way that we can afford this? And through a series of like that negotiation and back and forth, the factory was really good for us. They said, okay, uh, we'll, we'll help you out with the payment terms, that kind of stuff. If, but you got to order a hundred thousand units. And ultimately uh, we put everything on the line, put all our chips in the center and we ordered a hundred thousand units. Moral of the story being sorry to interrupt is, you know, you do your homework up front and then you just kind of take the leap. You know, you've got to trust that like this, is, there's a market opportunity. That must've been terrifying. I mean, for folks at home, you know, I, you mentioned this 10 minutes ago, I'll just connect the dots. The unit cost on this at that time for you guys was about $17. They're saying $100,000, $100,000 unit minimum, 100,000 times 17. You know, you're at 1.7 in cost on this thing. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was about $18 landed, if I can remember right. Because after, after the shipping, all that kind of stuff and packaging, we were about $18 landed. So, and then it sold out in no time. You know, you guys are the first ones to hit the market. Yeah, so we, so we, we launched on October 24, 2017. The really cool thing is this is what we'd hoped would happen. Because the price was $20, it goes like absolutely viral, right? Like every tech publication is writing about it. Um, it just totally blows up and those units sell out in just a couple of days. Like we are immediately out of stock. I want to now fast forward a couple of years. So that that was October of 2017, you said? So almost like exactly five years ago. We're sitting here recording this today, October of 2022. Um, you guys now do a lot, you know? So, I mean, you, you look at the product line that Wise has currently rolled out. Um, 
And I mean, man, in five years, you guys have gone from like that first leap of faith moment to, you know, you're all over the smart home and beyond. What are some things that haven't been as successful for you guys? Nobody hits only home runs. That was definitely, uh, you know, a home run. Were were there some lessons that you guys have learned and, and specifically kind of asking through the lens of like, what would Dave say to an entrepreneur listening today? that is uh, trying to figure out what to do with their company and what mistakes maybe to avoid, what things to double down on. Can, can you share some of the things that didn't work as well for you guys over the last five years? Uh, sure. I mean, there's there's been a number of those things. Um, you know, it's been definitely a journey of ups and downs, some really exciting moments and some, some very low lows. But, uh, you know, immediately the challenge for us became, you know, if, if you're going to start a business and you're going to run it at 10% margin, uh, less in most cases, the the challenge immediately becomes you've got to scale because you can't survive on those margins, right? Um, especially we're based out of Seattle, we're not like an overseas company. We're hiring uh, engineers in the U.S. Like it's 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 an expensive business to run, right? And so, um, how do we scale? We have to sell so many cameras that that ten percent margin can cover our fixed costs, right? Cover our import our our salaries and our um, our offices and marketing and anything we want to do, and so. It, it became clear pretty quick, even with, we were doing huge volumes on cameras and we were really excited about this business model, like this being friends with customers, super low price, uh, making technology accessible to everyone, making it so anyone can jump in and get into smart home stuff without even, it's, you know, it's an impulse buy. Uh, but how do you get enough volume for us to cover our costs and make that a long-term business that we can, we can stay around for long-term? And it became clear that like cameras, cameras were not enough. Um, and we'd always, we'd always from the beginning kind of had this vision to be a smart home company. It was, it was always more about cameras, but we realized that we were gonna have to move pretty quick and, and disrupt multiple verticals and not just cameras. So we got to work pretty quickly. And, um, so we launched another camera as a, a pan and tilt camera about six months later. And then, um, we quickly started moving into the smart home. So we went into, uh, bulbs, we went into plugs. Um, we made a lock, a smart lock. Um, we move extremely quickly at wise. Like we, we, that's one of our kind of our core competencies we can move pretty quick. Um, and we, the way that we are doing these businesses, we are, we are, we are trying to find products that were already kind of built at scale that we could take and modify, um, so that we could quickly get to market and get that, get enough products in our portfolio that we could get the scale at 10% margin to make our business work. Um, where I would say we maybe made some mistakes is, um, we probably went into some categories that we should not have gone into and not that we, the products that we, we made were not great products, but, um, but what happens is like, you just start getting spread really thin. Right. And so our marketing department is, is small and instead of just marketing cameras, we're marketing now like 10, 10 products, but our marketing team hasn't grown very much because we're trying to scale the business to cover those fixed costs. Um, so we're, we're not adding marketing as people as fast as we have products. I would say the same goes, you know, we always overemphasize on engineers. Like we've always hired more engineers than, um, than marketing people or like that's the, we're, we're a product led company. But even still, if you are a product manager or an, an engineer, like you, you no longer have like one area of expertise with cameras. You've, you've got like 10 product lines, um, or at least some crossover cause we're running a little bit thin. And so we just got spread thin. So it became this challenge of like, you know, how do we launch enough products, enough verticals, acquiring customers in different areas to scale the business to cover cover the cost of the business at this super low margin, while also um, maintaining a really high quality bar for the product. And also, I think more than anything, not confusing our customer base, right? Like we want to, you don't want to, 
you don't want you want customers to know who you are as a company. And I think the mistake that we made is um, we started getting into some categories that were a little bit outside of smart home, and, and I think customers got confused of like who is wise, you know, what what do they stand for, what does their brand even mean? Um, we we just spread too thin too quickly. That's that's the end of the story. Like what, what the mistake that we made, um, and and our only source of revenue was hardware revenue. Which, which tees up my next question. All right. So don't, uh, this is a story that I love. And I think, you know, if you're out there and you're running a, an IOT company, running a hardware company, um, pay attention close to this next story. So Dave, you guys are, you know, looking to raise some capital and well, actually, let me just let you tell the story. The question is, I ask this question a lot, the wrong side of impossible. You know, every tech company has its moment or thing that, you know, the dragon they've got to slay. Listen, folks, we've got to get this thing developed. We have to invent this thing. We have to achieve this this technical milestone or we don't have a business. You know, and sometimes it's a, a technical achievement. Sometimes it's a technical achievement at a certain price point. So introducing a new price point, et cetera. Talk about wrong side of impossible for you guys. You had this moment, a thing had to happen for you guys to to really be able to continue as a business. What did that look like? Unpack that for us if you would. So I, I would say our whole business has always felt like it's on the wrong side of impossible. We're, we're trying to make this work with like 10% margins. Um, so that, that has always felt like an impossible task. But um, it, it definitely... So going back to kind of our fundraising history, right? Like we started off with a million dollars in seed money, putting all we had in... Um, <clears throat> kind of the family friends thing. And then you go, we, we had a really great explosion onto the scene, right? And so we had some excitement about our brand and what we were doing. Um, and about, I would say, I think about a year and a half after we launched, we met some investors and we had a ton of options, honestly. Like at that time, it was like everyone wanted to invest in us. Um, and so we quick, we pretty quickly and easily raised $20 million. And so that was really exciting. All of a sudden we had like $20 million and that, that's kind of how we started building our portfolio out and started building all these different product lines. Um, and then it kind of, we got, this is the thing where we were, we were, you know, spreading ourselves a little bit thin. Our margins were really low and uh, we started running out of cash again. And so we started, we, like we got to go out and raise funds again. And something had changed fundamentally in the, in the VC market during those two years, right? Between the series A, $20 million and the next time they're going out for funding. Because, uh, Immediately when we started going and meeting with investors, every single one of them said, what is, how much recurring revenue do you have? What is your service revenue? And you've seen this in other companies, right? Where every, basically they're saying, where are your subscriptions? Like, where's your subscription, subscription revenue? Like, where is the, that recurring, like, you don't have to work so hard at the hardware every single month. And we had none. And that was an absolute deal killer for every single investor that we talked to. Like the whole market had shifted and everybody just wanted to see that recurring revenue. And it honestly is like a phenomenon. Uh, and you see it in every company is charging subscriptions now, right? Uh, because that is what the investors are absolutely demanding. And there was there was no path forward for us to raise money at, uh, with a hardware business that was at that, and that point we've been hit by tariffs and we've been hit by some other, you know, different things. And we're, we're down to like six to 8% margin, right? Um, and so we were up against the wall with like no opportunity for funding, um, trying to figure out how we're going to make this business work. And the, and the only thing was like, okay, we've got to create a recurring revenue stream um, for people to be interested in us. We've got to create a subscription. And that was really hard for us because we, we'd kind of been like the anti-subscription company. Like we didn't want to be a subscription company, um, but our backs were totally against the wall on this one. And so... Um, you know, we're like, well, what, do, what do we do? And, and we, we've experimented a little bit with person detection 
with a, a company called Exnor that we had partnered with, and they soon got bought by Apple, so that that partnership ended. But we're like, okay, we've got to build advanced AI into our cameras and build like a premium service. So we actually went back to Amazon. We poached a lot of their their kind of top AI engineers. Um, we enticed them over to come over to Wise, and we built like this really really strong AI team. And immediately those guys started getting to work on building person detection. And uh, so, you know, a year or so later at this point, we were completely out of cash, um, like literally months from going out of business. But we have, we have our first product, which is person detection. And we combine that with extended cloud storage on our cameras. So now you can record for, um, you know, I can't remember what our cloud storage, but it was a, we call it a complete motion capture. So it would record all the motion in front of the cameras. And so we combined that with personal detection, we call it the Cam Plus, bundled that together as our first service and went to market. And um, fortunately for us, the response to Cam Plus was huge. Like the, people really wanted person detection on the cameras. Like that AI was a very valuable feature. Um, you think about it, if you've got a camera and it's, it's set up to detect motion, you're getting detections all night long sometimes with bugs or waving tree branches or sunlight changing. And that's super annoying for customers. So this is a huge pain point already. But, um, and we, We'd, we'd originally tried to solve this with this partnership with Exnor. We could do it for free. But um, ultimately, we came down to this, this Cam Plus service. Person detection was a huge hit. Um, got a ton of traction right away. And we got back when we're, when we're like a month or two away from bankruptcy. This is, in the, by the way, the pandemic has hit at this point. So the, the funding situation is even worse, right? There's no one um, investing. Everyone's kind of frozen trying to see what's happening is, is happening with the pandemic. The pandemic, but the uh, we go out with with a, a pretty solid base of Cam Plus subscribers, and then we have when we're as we're presenting, uh, we're able to lock down an investor MVP who saw the potential of that. Um, this is actually Jay Z's investment group as well, um, and they ended up investing uh, overall the round. At, we we got another hundred million dollars in funding. Amazing, it saved the day. You know, and and wise lives to fight another day. I, I, the thing I love about the story is this quickly became critical to you guys' product. And you mentioned extremely briefly in the story, and we, we don't need to belabor it here, but you did have an external partner that was providing this. They, they went a different direction. I think they were acquired. Now, as you look back, do you feel like that was a blessing at all that they required and it forced you to build this in-house? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, that put us in, that was one of the darkest moments in WISE when we, when we were, we lost our partner that was providing person detection. Cause like I said, we had solved this pain point for customers of getting endless motion detection, right? We'd solved it with this partner and we'd done it at a super low cost. And so we didn't even charge our customers for the feature, but they, but then this company gets scooped up by Apple and we have no ability to provide this service on our own. Um, so we've got to go hire these like really brilliant, but expensive AI engineers and build this in house um, very quickly to not only provide it for customers to solve this pain point, but also to build a recurring revenue stream for us so that we can get the next cash infusion into the company. Sure. Yeah, it feels a little bit like if you have a really critical problem and you've solved it through a partnership, you know, you've found an external person that or company that, you know, has that technology, you've kind of rented your, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like your survival is a rented uh, status, you know, you you do not own your path forward, and and so I, the wise story, it struck me that like one of the best things that could possibly have happened to you guys was this partnership falling apart, so you really owned your destiny. I think I think that's true. I, I definitely would say that's true because it has set the course for the entire company, right? Since since 
since that time, since we started investing super hard in the AI, I would say the company has completely gone in a different direction. So now uh, our whole company is focused on AI. Like we've, we've branched way beyond person detection, right? Now we have pet detection, we have vehicle detection, we have package detection. Like these AI engineers, this team that we build is so smart. Um, they, they are building like an incredible set of AI. So we're moving from kind of this hardware company to a software company. And the cool thing about it is because our cameras are so low cost, uh, we have millions and millions of cameras out there, right? Like people buy tons of these things and we have a huge user base. And so, um, and, and those users can opt in to send us like to help train our AI models. So we feel like we can build like the world's best AI for smart home cameras because we have so many cameras out there um, that are feeding it data and, and training the models. Um, so ultimately, Wise becomes not like this hardware company, it becomes like an AI focused company because we have so much data uh, and can build like just really, really great models. So we're moving into the final chapter of the episode here, but you know, I've got this Wise Camera 3 here with me today. I want to talk about what's next for you guys. This is a super cool product. I love, I mean, we're big Wise fans at, at Very. I think you could say super fans. I think we have a few employees listening into the live stream right now, in fact. But I have a couple of questions. One, tell us about this camera. But specifically what I'm interested in is Apple, you know, Apple's product development cadence is if it's October it's time for an iPhone. You know, it, do we like, are there features to roll out? Maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe the, like, it's gonna be very similar to last year, but they do it every October. What's the wise philosophy on, you know, we've got the, the wise cam three, like, when do you guys decide internally, Hey, it's time to put out a new product. We have enough to justify. This is a huge upgrade. What, what does that look like for you guys? And tell us a little bit about this product specifically. Yeah, so starting with the V3, so that's our flagship camera. It's that that's an incredible camera. Uh, it's about thirty six bucks. Um, it's got you know everything you need from a from a smart home camera. We have the ten eighty p streaming. Um, we have local recording to an SD card. It's got the AI features you can add onto the camera. It's got a built in alarm system. It can it can set an alarm off. Um, it's got the motion detection, event detection, again all the AI. Uh, and and more than anything, what we what we love about this camera, what we really worked hard on, is it's got color night vision. So that's something that none, no other camera in that price range will have. And so uh, you're used to seeing a lot of kind of security footage, smart home cameras with like really crappy, grainy black and white footage at night. Like that camera just needs like the smallest bit of light from like a, a lamp post or a street light or whatever, and that it'll light up the whole night. So you don't even have to turn on your night vision. Um, so that, that's what we're really proud on that camera. And that's kind of getting to your second question of why we upgraded. Um, you know, we, we don't like to upgrade products unless there's a reason to do it. Um, we don't want to make customers just buy new stuff just to buy new stuff, as tempting as that might be. Um, we, also, we also try to fix stuff as much as we can with software first. Um, so like that person detection that we talked about XNOR before and that partnership we did, we just loaded that onto the camera without any upgrade, right? Like that, that just became a feature. So we will always focus on software upgrades first. But of course, there are times when you can make big step functions in the hardware and you've got to upgrade the whole device. So for the V3, um, from V2 to V3, that became the, the color night vision sensor. Uh, we The prices of those were coming down. We, we found a partner that could provide those to us. And we felt that we could give these things color night vision. Um, we call it a starlight sensor, um, put, put the starlight sensor in the camera. And it would be a huge upgrade from what the previous camera was. Um, and it absolutely is. Like if you compare V2 to V3, that, that starlight sensor is incredible. Um, so it's got to be something that's that's a meaningful kind of upgrade um, that can really change the game. 
um, we debated, I mean, there might be a lot of people out there to say like, why do you only have 1080p? Um, we really debated whether to make that camera kind of 2k or 4k, which is kind of what people are, people talk about a lot. Um, but we will always, always stick with what users want. And we were originally going to put like a 4k sensor or at least a 2k sensor on that thing and upgrade the, the quality of the video a little bit. But when we started talking to our users, the users were saying, like, it's a smart home camera. You don't necessarily need, like, 4K footage on a smart home camera. It's most mostly just monitoring something. But we really wanted this to, it, for it to see better in the dark. And that was the trade-off that we made. So we went out and we found the Starlight Sensor. And we made that thing incredible, have incredible, incredible night vision um, as kind of our trade-off. Um, so that that's what you'll find with the uh, the V3 camera. It's an incredible camera. It's what I've got all over my house. And that that thing just crushes it. Give us a look under the hood for, you know, I, I'm probably not the only wise super fan. You know, it's 23, uh, uh, the calendar rolls over into 23. What are we looking at? What's the future? What are you excited about? Yeah, so we, um, we've we got a much more stable business, I would say, than we had before. Uh, we've got um, Cam Plus. We've become, we're, we're, we're way more focused on AI and the software being a software company. So we're kind of half hardware, half, half software right now. But you'll see a lot more really cool AI features rolling out. Um just starting from a security standpoint, we have kind of the world's first security system that is just a camera. So typically when you see a security system, you've got the hubs and sensors all over the house, right? Um, we're trying to do what we always do, which is which is disrupt the security market, like make, make technology accessible to everyone. How do we bring the cost of the security system down so low that anyone can buy it? Um, so we started with, with um, building AI and software into our, that V3 camera and we call it, um, it's going to be called Cam Protect here pretty soon. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a service where it uses person detection to monitor, um, you know, if you're going to bed for the night, you just set the camera out against your door in your living room, or whatever, and it'll just monitor for people. So it doesn't matter if they came in through the doors or windows that you had sensors on, um, they could come in the house anyway, but if it sees a person, it'll contact emergency services, it'll blow up your phone, all that kind of stuff. So we're building um, more security features, trying to disrupt the, the security industry. Um, we're simplifying our portfolio a little bit now that we have kind of recurring revenue stream. Again, our, our, our um, subscription, we always have too good to be true prices, right? Like we're trying to, um, we, all, we, all we need is that recurring revenue, but, with the, but we want the price to be as low as we possibly can. So our subscription right now is two bucks. Um, if you do a monthly plan, it's a buck 25 if you do it yearly, um, which is like half of what you see. I think our competitors are like three bucks, right? So we're, we're still trying to disrupt price on all those different areas. Um, but we will simplify some of our product lines. We'll stick more to the smart home. Um, and we're going to focus on upgrading a lot of our current products. So you'll see pro versions of our cameras start coming out. Um, the people that want the 2K, the 4K footage, you'll see cameras drop with that. Um, we're really going to focus around our core smart home products um, from cameras to locks uh, the thermostat, that kind of stuff to really kind of build out the smart home and make that an incredible experience. But of course, uh, always just staying really close to what customers want. And that's what we'll build. What customers want. Perfect segue. So Dave Crosby, you're a big figure in IoT land now. You know, Wise is kind of at the core of uh, the whole smart home conversation. Take us outside of the Wise ecosystem for a second. Um, I know as an entrepreneur and a founder, you know, you could be like really focused on the brand you're building, but who out there in IoT land is doing good work that you think not enough people are talking about? Yeah, so of course my house is decked out in almost all Wise products, but there's a couple, uh, you know, verticals that we don't touch that I, I uh, products that I love. And I would say the biggest one for me is Outlet. Outlet, SmartSock. I've got, uh, I've got four kids and 
we've used that through the last three babies. And I, I would say that has been a huge peace of mind thing, right? Especially for my wife, like happy wife, happy life, right? Uh, she loves putting that sock on the baby, loves knowing that they're safe as they're sleeping through the night. And for me too, it's awesome, right? Um, so I would say that's been one of the biggest kind of life changers for us. The Alice Smart Sock has been awesome, huge game changer. Uh, I also like Pura, the Pura, um, scent, what do you call them? Air Sense things. They just shoot out the... Their purifier? It's not the purifier. It's a sense. Um, it'll shoot out, you know, different scents. I got some right here, actually. Yeah, they, they have these little smells and stuff they put in there, and it'll shoot out there. You can schedule them, and it's just kind of fun. Cool. I like that thing, too. All right. Uh, so you said the name of that company was PuraSense? Pura. Pura. P-U-R-A. All right, folks, you heard it here first. If you're looking for uh, some gift ideas this holiday season, Pura. Outlet, of course, if you have small kids, uh, friend of very and not least of which is wise. If you're looking for something for the smart home. Dave, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And if you're out there and you run a consumer IoT company, we'd love to have you on the show in the run up to the holidays. Until then, join us next time as we meet with another IoT executive to talk about what went wrong on a journey that went right. Over the Air is brought to you by Very. To find out more about us, head over to verypossible.com and make sure to search for Over the Air and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Barry, thanks for listening.